This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. All right, new game. Yep. Thought we'd go post-apocalypse this time. What's our apocalypse? Well, I mean, that's kind of why we're here. Kind of figure it out. Not zombies, please. I'm sick, 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 sick of zombies. Yeah. Um. Like, what about civilization rebuilding? Um. You'll be like wasteland warriors discovering forgotten tech and like uh, and working to overthrow the local fascist re- regime. Oh, yeah. What do you think? Wow. You know, I always want to punch the Nazis. Yeah, me too. I'm in. Okay. Well. Cool. All right. So then, good. With that done, let's talk about safety. Let's talk about like like lines and veils. All right, then. I've got the standard list of lines and veils. I know we do this every time, but that's why we go over it. Everybody take a look and see if you want to add anything. Mm -hmm. No, No, those look good. All right. Just making sure. Okay. And uh, we're going to do X card. Um, I'm always a fan of the X card, so we'll have X card on the table. Um, As always, we'll do um, open door, right? We're all familiar with open door policy, right? So if you need a break, take a break. Yep. Um, if you need to leave, you need to leave. Um, and, um, and because, um, I, as much as I like X card, uh, I also want to do okay check-in, uh, so that we can actually do, um, uh, consent affirming as well. Mm-hmm. So we can do, you know, you can do consent, um, revoking, you know, with it, yep. or you can do the X card, but I also want to be able to do consent affirming, like when we get into anything that's kind of really intense. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Let's do, uh, let's do characters then. All right, sweet. I want to be a road warrior. Cars, metal, muscle, and kicking ass. Life's short, and my character is going to be a man of action. Okay, cool. I can, I, I can definitely work with that. And I want to be a scrapper. I want to rendering things down to their components, and then we build them into something better. Cool, cool. I see a lot of synergy between you guys' characters, like mm-hmm. you know, tearing stuff down to kind of build up Bob's car and that kind of thing. So, like, yeah. I think that that works out really well. Cool. Let's uh, let's get into uh, let's get into stats. All right, I have a name too. I do too. Oh, all right, cool, cool. Let's uh, let's hear him. I'm going to be Lord Session. And I'm going to be Mr. Zero. Now, of course you guys are. And with that, welcome to the 446 episode of the Mr. Kermark Podcast. Today we'll be talking about using Session Zero to create both characters and campaigns. Along the way, we'll take your comments, questions, and examples live from the chat room for life before jumping to the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. Woo-hoo. All right, kids. It is that time of the week. Let's see how everybody's feeling with our temperature check, Phil. Uh, I am uh, I'm COVID free, um, but I am thinking of getting some of that. Um, I've demected whatever that stuff is the no, the no, cow you, stuff you just that. in case. I was thinking of just stockpiling some of that ivermectin. No, no, no. What is it? It's a deworming heart. Yes, it's it's deworming, deworming sheep and cows. Yes. It yeah. it's probably fine on viruses. Yeah. I'm gonna just get a box or two just in case. Uh, no, I'm Mark, kidding. The Mr. Mark podcast does not recommend using oh any sort God. of horse tranquilizers yes. in your system, nor do we recommend being a dumb shit. Yeah. Get, oh your, vac- get your vaccine shot. Oh, anyway, I can't tell you how I've been watching. I've been reading a bunch of stuff about it this week about like there's like an uptick in calls to the poison control hotlines in Alabama and stuff because people won't get a shot, but they'll totally go take this like cow dewormer. Anyway, yeah. um, I am fine. Um I did a little something last night. I like I pulled a muscle in my back and I was like, oh, no, is this the like, is this it? But um, I think I'm all right. I, I like 
it's a little uh it's like a little sore but like i went to bed last night on my like my nice bed and i woke up this morning and i was like oh yeah a little sore but not too worse for the wear and i like took a bike ride today and it didn't hurt so like i don't know i guess i'm okay um and mentally um yeah mentally i think i'm doing mostly good um i'm still having some concentration problems um i I don't know exactly how to combat it and i'm I'm sure it's post-pandemic thing like it's far easier for me to watch tv than it is to play a video game right now um and it's way easier to watch tiktok than it is to read a book which is a thing i'm still struggling with um so um I'm still working on that, but I mean, otherwise, like, otherwise my spirits are up. Um, I spent a shit ton of money on my car today, so that never feels good, but, um, my car had no AC and I've been pretty miserable the last couple of days, um, with the weather here, driving in a car with no AC, like it's brutal because, because it's brutal out my friends. Yes, yes, it is. It is. It's muggy. Uh, I think it's like 84 right now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the sun's out. like barely out. Anyway, it's yeah. gross. Yeah, we don't want to go right. too long on this one, so let's. Yeah, uh, no, nope. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Moving on, Bob. How you doing? Uh, I too am COVID free. Um, I am uh, unfortunately not as lucky when it comes to the back. My back has been pissed off for like at least a week now. Um, but all of the moving and lifting and twisting and stuff, you know, that was bound to happen. I've been trying to take care of it here and there. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, I'm not laid up. I can still function. So it's just pain. Pain is just weakness leaving the body, right? No, 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 no. That's just, that's, that's just toxic masculinity <laughs> yes. bullshit right there. Don't let got, that, don't let that shit. Ain't got time for pain. <laughs> I got shit to do. <laughs> Mentally, I'm feeling all right. Um, uh, I'm tired. I've been super tired when I go to bed the last few nights, and uh, I've been getting like a ton of sleep because I've been going to bed earlier than normal. So Good. there's that. So um, that's that's about it, Jerry. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I got a lot of sleep this weekend, and I've also been going to bed a little bit earlier. I'm getting about an extra uh, hour or so of sleep a night, which does make a difference. Um, it helps that you and I have not been on playing. Valheim until two in the morning, which helps a little bit. But uh, no, it's just been it's been it's been nice to get a little bit of extra sleep. And uh, work has been busy but slow. It's not been hectic busy. It's just been um, lots of stuff to do. So the days go by quickly, and we're getting a lot of stuff done, which is always good. Um, so yeah, I'm doing pretty good so far. So that's my that's our temperature check. Awesome. All right, let's jump into the lobby for our one thing then. So uh, the other night. Jerry came over to my place and uh, actually came over to my condo uh, and we sat and watched uh, what, like four episodes, four or five episodes of Rick and Morty last, to finish last, off season the five. Last, the last five episodes of Rick and Morty, yep. Rick and Morty season five is a glorious hot mess. <laughs> it is just ridiculous out there. Uh, like you get to the end of the episodes and you're like, Wow. <laughs> But it is super revealing about Rick's past. You're learning little bits and pieces as you go. And it's like, okay, interesting. I'm very curious to see where they go when they when they open up season six, whenever that is. I have no idea when that's going to happen. But, um, yeah. I, to- I told you each episode is weirder than the one before. Yes. You open up with the first episode of season five and you're like, wow. And then it's like, it gets weirder. Really? <laughs> yes, it does. It's yeah. totally wacky. The, the first episode is is still free to watch, and the first three episodes are by far the most normal of the of the yeah. set. 
after that, <laughs> all bets are off. But uh, yeah, that that's good stuff. Looking forward to whenever they decide they're going to drop the next uh, the next season. Jerry, what about you? Ah oh, man, disco is not dead. Um, I've been watching Discovery. Uh, once, as as they told me, once I got past episode three, it just took off, and I'm at the very end of season one. Um, reveals, reveals, reveals. Um, I'm just loving. I'm, I'm loving it. it. Is it is? I think Phil's one who said it's basically one great big fourteen episode movie. And it is, mm-hmm. it, it's, it just, once it gets into a story, it just rolls along from episode to episode in, in a way that I'm really enjoying. Um, and just having, uh, a good, a good time with, and, uh, I'm enjoying seeing some, I, I, I noticed that the engineer was the, was the annoying sidekick from Adventures in Babysitting. So it was kind of <laughs> fun to watch. Uh, you know what? The one thing I'm not seeing yet, and I hope we see more of, they've been in several space battles and I am not seeing anywhere near enough council sparks. Oh, well, you'll, um, get some, you'll get some. There'll be sparks. some. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a whole lot of explosions, but not enough just like council yeah. sparks and somebody falls down. But no, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's really well done. Um, it's a it's it's action packed, but it's also a smart series with a lot of mm-hmm. like people using their brains to solve problems, and that's a lot of fun. Um, lot of and the main character is just amazing. Yep, a lot of it's a good story with compelling characters. Uh, I'm thoroughly thoroughly happy with it. Yeah. So Phil. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just call out our, um, our NBA Knights Black Agents Session Zero. That was, uh, my big gaming highlight, uh, for the week. Um, it was very good. Um, it was, uh, I mean, it is a Session Zero's go. Um, I think it was pretty tight. And then we got the character generation. Everybody goes to their own speed of character gen. So we got a little less done than I wanted to in, uh, in the course of the evening. Um, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't a lot less than I wanted. It's just that our, you know, we'll do a little bit more, uh, to do some group stuff. Um, but the good part is got some, uh, we got some decent session zero stuff going, got a team going, starting to understand like what you guys do before you stumble into the vampire conspiracy, which is like a big part, um, for me to get it started. So all in all, very solid, very solid. Cool. We also, we also didn't have as long because we did a lot of other, we had some other non gaming stuff to do before we started the, we did. the session. We did. And and as as we're going to talk about later on, we talk about campaign versus one shots. When you're doing a campaign, taking extra time to do session zero, move at the pace of your slowest player and have a good time with it. And that's fine. I liked that. So, all right. Cool. All right. That brings us, of course, to the feature segment. Yes. Gird yourself, Phil, and go. Workshop, workshop, session zero. This is it. This is the big session. This is the one where you start to lay down the foundation for your campaign so that you have an awesome campaign and you got to do it. You got to do it right. We're going to show you tonight in the workshop. Don't suck. Don't suck. Yay. Yay. All right. <laughs> well, Sorry. I'm, uh, I endlessly amuse myself with, <laughs> with the workshop. <laughs> There's nothing written for it. I don't even know what no. I'm going to say. The fact that he forgot we were going to do it until Bob's like, oh, it's a workshop. And I'm like, shit. Anyway, <laughs> um, cool. Workshop. Talking about Session Zero tonight, right? Two weeks ago, we decided to take a break from our ongoing Forbidden Lands game. Uh, 46 Ooh. sessions of Forbidden Lands. Yeah. Um, and take a break and play some Knights Black Agents, which um, which was, which was we talked about previously. Surprised me that, that that was the game we wound up selecting, but pleasantly surprised about the selection. Yeah. Um, this past Sunday, just a few days ago, we did our session zero and I thought that would be a good time for us to talk about session zero again. Yeah. So the first time we talked about session zero was way back in episode 256 in 2017. Like that didn't even like, that doesn't even exist. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> and and those who've been listening to us recently know that we talked briefly about section zero as part of our setting boundaries episode, which is number 390 back in 220. But that was just kind of, we just kind of touched base on it as, as something to set boundaries on, as opposed to doing a full deep delve. So tonight we're going to dedicate the main part of the show to session zero and update and expand on what we knew all the way back in 2017. All right. And of course, in order to do that, we got to do some definitions from Phil. So behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda. Yippers. All right, let's start with the definition, um, the whole topic, right? Session zero. The session that occurs after the game has been selected and before normal gameplay starts. Its goal is to prepare everyone to play the game, okay. right? Session zero is the on-ramp for a campaign. Uh, like an on-ramp, its goal is to get you up to speed before you kind of get on the highway. In other words, get you up to speed before play begins. I'm going to try not to push that metaphor any further. Um, session zero is mostly a campaign construct, um, though, and we'll talk about this um, before the break, uh, you can do it in one shots in kind of an abbreviated manner, and you probably should in some of your one shots. Um, so we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But for now, let's just consider it a campaign construct. Yeah. Um, that phrase, prepare everyone to play the game, is pretty nebulous, and that was on purpose, because different games need different things in order for everyone to be ready to play, and different groups need different things. Um, so one of the things we are going to get into tonight is kind of coming up with what are some of those things that could be in your session zero. And then ultimately, you're going to pick and choose uh, to load up your session zero with the things you need. Yeah. Um, and I do this like pretty much every game that I run is I kind of um, run through the list of possibilities of things that could be in the game and kind of pick and choose until I have built a session zero that fits the game that we're running. Okay, awesome. Okay, so right. knowing that a session zero has the goal to prepare you for the game and that different games need different things, Jerry, what kind of things might we include in a session zero? All right, as we've been saying, your need session zero to depend on you, the group, and the games you're playing. Um, the list below is going to be compiled from several of our session zero experiences. As always, this is not totally, uh, this is not the end all and be all of everything that there is out there. So you may have be able to add more things in, but these are things that we think are important in our session zeros. Um, we've created some high level categories, which you may need to ask specific things about based on your group and game. So here's a list of our categories. Yep. Uh, setting expectations for the game, the campaign, et cetera. Goal here is you need to come together as a group uh, to have an understanding of what the campaign is going to be about, what the characters do, what the tone of the game is, etc. Um, why you need this, right? You need to have the shared idea of what the campaign is, the world, and etc. So that when everybody gets to character gen, you're building your characters with like the same understanding of the world and the game you're playing and stuff like that, right? If it's out of whack, um, all you could create havoc by the time you guys, by the time you start making characters. Oh yeah. Yep. Good. And that leads right into the second thing, which is we also have to decide what materials are going to be in the campaign. Um, our goal is to understand what books and supplements will be in the game and which ones we won't have in the game. And that's important because we want everybody to be in agreement about which supplements we're going to use. Um, mm -hmm. if, so, if somebody's planning on building their character based on a supplement that nobody else wants in the game, it's going to cause trouble once you finally sit down to your session zero. Yeah. Or if that supplement's like really sketch, right? Yeah. Like, like somebody like if it wasn't like a watsy supplement for your 5e game it's like you know <laughs> yeah. somebody whipped together you know yeah. the ultimate monk or something and yeah 
book of was it the book of nine swords or something like that that had all those sewer powered swords yeah that kind of yeah. thing yep okay um next thing we need to talk about is house rules game modes options um the goal here is for the group to decide like which options like if your game has different modes that it can be played in right knights black yep. agents does mm-hmm. um, or if you have house house rules like if you have a tome of house rules like mm-hmm. we did for our um uh corporation game yep we played corporation a few times and we had a whole bunch of house rules that had kind of gotten made up along the way and so um we needed to kind of check on those um as like you know as part of the session zero for every time we started playing uh, and the reason we need to do this again is alignment of expectations right we need to make mm-hmm. sure that everybody knows um especially everybody knows if there's a mode for the game like what mode are we playing in um but also like you might want to you probably are going to want to know some of those house rules because they may affect your choices and character creation and such oh yeah all right the next thing we're going to talk about is safety um you always want to have a safety discussion um, the goal is to determine what safety tools are going to be used in the campaign and how to calibrate them. How to decide which one, you know, what specifics you're going to have. And the reason why I do this is want to ensure safe play. Let's face it, we're all there to have a good time. And so if you're doing anything in the game that's unsafe and makes somebody not have a good time, then you're not really playing a good game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we want to be able to push our boundaries yep. in a lot yeah. of time, in a lot of places. So having good safety tools lets us, uh, mm-hmm. like play right up against the edge. Yep. Uh, next one, setting questions. Um, you want to have this, you know, you want to have this in your session zero um, to discuss anything specific about the setting of the game. Um, sometimes your game's going to have a specific setting, like you're in this place. But if you're playing something like Ebron, like you can't just say, hey, we're playing Ebron because playing in Sharn is completely different than playing in Zendrix, right? Those are yes. like two totally, oh, yeah. those are like, that's like playing two totally different games. Um, and if you're playing, um, you know, if you're playing Blades in the Dark, where in Duskval are we setting, you know, like where, like where are you guys, where do you guys want to focus the game? So these things are worth having in your session zero is like talking about locations, um, or general settings. Um, because again, this is all going into aligning those expectations, but it's also helping to inform character creation. And that brings us to character creation. Because uh, our goal here is have the player char- players create their characters. And the reason why I do this uh, during Session Zero is we need to have characters that make sense in the setting, situation in the game, and work together. Otherwise, yep. you're going to have troubles. Yep. Which brings um, us to... Yeah, next, one is, next one's group creation. Um, so once we have characters, uh, we want to we do some work to make our, our individual characters into a group. Now, sometimes that's not going to be true for different games. Again, this is why you... Mm-hmm pick and choose what you need from this list. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of cases, you're going to want to have your group. Uh, You want to kind of understand like how did this uh, collection of individuals become a group? Um, And that's going to help because this is going to answer like that question. The game is like, why are you together? Yep. What do you do? Um, Which is exactly where we got to in our, um, in our discussion on Sunday. We'll talk a bit about that. I'm sure as we go along, Jerry, what's uh, what's our last category? Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight is connections and bonds. The goal is to have them create relationships between each other, not just their group, but how do they know each other and what relationship do they have? And the reason why is that this is going to create a much better group dynamic, give you good plot hooks, and give the player something to kind of react to and uh, kind of interact with in the middle of the game. So as you mentioned, you're going to need to decide which of these categories is going to work for you in your game and whether or not you need them. And if you do, what information are you going to need to convey or what questions do you need to ask as you go? Exactly. 
So obviously a session zero seems like it's a bit of work, but what if I'm super excited about a new game and I just want to run it? Do I really have to do a session zero, Phil? Right. Do you have to do one? No, you don't have to do one. Session Um, zero is hard. (laughs) Oh, there's got to be a better way. I, I'm going to say this, right? I, I there's a better way. So. <laughs> I went a long time without session zeros when I, you know, like I was, I was, I was many years old in the hobby by the time session zero was named, even though there was always something like a session zero, but not always. Um, do you need to do it? No. Um, but if you don't do it, do you run the risk of, you know, not having players aligned and um, running into problems either at the beginning or later in your campaign? Yes. Yes, you do. Um, so while it is not mandatory, highly recommended. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done a show on it That's or right. two. Um, so while you don't need them, highly recommend that you do them. Session zero is all about building consensus for your campaign across a whole bunch of facets of of the game. Right. And the, the just doing this is going to increase your chance that things are going to run smoothly. Um, and also this activity of going through and making these decisions and making your characters together and creating like a group dynamic and bonds and all that is also going to increase emotional investment um, in the characters as you jump into the game. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to go off script for a second on this. um, It's super important. It has been my experience over years of time. It is super important that players start really emotionally like as emotionally invested as possible in their characters in the beginning of a game because the beginning of the game is when the campaign is the most fragile right anything like just a few missed sessions can kill a campaign in the early part of a campaign right people's interests just dry up or drift or whatever so the more you can get everybody aligned and, and invested as the campaign starts you will get that momentum That'll get you through the first couple of sessions when the story will kick in and everybody's comfortable with their characters. And then like, it'll then propel itself. Um, But the more you can do to get people invested and interested heading into those first sessions, I think is going to lead to a much better session. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been in games where we, where we lose it, lose that momentum right off the bat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been in, I've been in games where I just, I have no connection to the game, the world or the, other characters because of the way the thing was put together and it's tough to feel any investment in that character like yeah if they die they die yeah which which is exactly what you don't want like unless you're playing like something like a a a dcc funnel right where you're just like you're rooting for survivors yeah um you you want to like start your game with some you know interest in who these people are Yeah. yeah and like phil said if you run into a problem where you miss a session for some reason you come out of session zero and everybody's just like, ah, you know, I don't know where we are and not feeling like I don't, you know, like I'm not grasping yeah. everything yet. And then session one's supposed to come up. Somebody has to go out of town on an emergency, or whatever. You scrub mm-hmm. the session. Now you missed session one. And it could be like, eh, when you get around to trying to, to reschedule that. You come out of the session yep. zero and everybody's like, oh, sweet. I know exactly who my character is now. I'm ready yep. to get this story started. And everybody's all jacked about it. And you miss mm-hmm. that first session. It's like, all right, well, let's get into this thing. You know, let's reschedule this thing. The, the emotional investment is there enough to push that momentum forward and keep you driving to get that first session going. So, yep, hugely yeah. beneficial. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's really important. 
Um, so having said that, let me just wrap up by saying, right. Um, you, uh, what you call it? Um, I get that, you know, a lot of people have limited time for gaming and that, um, actually getting to the table and playing is sexier and more fun than doing session zero work. But I will say this, right. And this is, I am, you know, as I, I will clarify this by the fact that I'm a project manager. So I believe in plan before execute at all times. Right. So mm-hmm. measure, you know, measure twice, cut once kind of guy. Um, while it may be more fun to grab your game and get it to the table right away and skip session zero, it is not fun with having lacks of engagement, mismanaged expectations, mm-hmm. um, characters that don't fit in with the group, in with each other. Um, all of those things, right? None of that's fun. And if you can just eliminate a whole bunch of those by taking one session and getting everybody aligned, I, I think you're better off, right? Now, will you encounter other problems in the game? Of course you will, which is hell half the reason why we're here um, to talk about and help you with all the other problems. But that's just gaming. Um, but but why not st- why not start on a good foundation, right? Like why not start in a place where everybody is on board, aligned, and excited? And I think I think we need to add to that that two two quick things. One is session zero doesn't have to be a whole session long. You can no. do half you can do half a set you can do half a session to get session zero out of the way, and then jump into something. Even if it's just having the characters sit and chat about each other. And number two, if you're really tight for time and don't think you're gonna have enough time for session zero before you start your campaign, uh, look into the notes that we talk about. When we talk about how to do a one shot because you can use all those one shot sheets to get your game off the ground with a with a half session zero. So. Mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, all of those are good points. So now that we know what goes into a session zero and why we should have one, do you guys mm-hmm. have any good advice for doing a session zero? Uh, I think we I'm do. Otherwise, yeah. uh, we probably wouldn't have a podcast about it tonight. So <laughs> here are some tips for each of the different parts of what we consider a good session zero. The biggest piece of advice we're going to give, though, regardless of each of those section, is to have open, candid discussions and work to reach a consensus. This is the time for everybody to get a chance to speak their mind and get their voice out there. So it's going to make it fun for them. Doing this is going to ensure that everybody's on the same page as you go through your session and that everybody starts out with a chance to have as much fun as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really like, I mean, everything else we're going to say here are like kind of cool things to think about, talk about, mm-hmm. or do, but they all will fall under this umbrella of um, what Jerry just said. Right. So um, let me start off by um, giving a tip for setting expectations for your game, your campaign, et cetera. Um, I always think like I've always done this in one form or another, but Uh I have found that cats is um, my favorite tool for organizing my thoughts about this. Um, I put the link in the show notes. We'll put the link in the um, we'll put the link in the note in the notes for the episode. Um, but cats, it, you can actually search for it by just, ta- I think if you just type cats RPG, you will find this. Um, but it um, simply is at its simplest level. Um, it's just a framework for you to have your discussion. Concept is C for concept, high level. What is this game about? Right. Mm-hmm. Tell Just tell the players, what is this game about? Uh, a is for aim. What are you trying to accomplish in the game? This is um, kind of akin to... Um, Jason Pitt's um, situation. What is mm-hmm. like, what do you do in this game? Right. Yeah. Cause that's a huge, like if you're playing D and D aim is a huge, important piece. Like yeah. what, like you can do anything in that game. Yep. So what are you doing? Right. Aim is really good. T is for tone. What is the general tone of the game? I think this one's super important. Um, especially if you're playing certain genres, 
you want to make sure that everybody's on board. Like we're playing Knights Black Agents and I wanted to make sure that everybody was really cool with um, somewhat dark and somewhat somewhat tense and gory, right? Like not funny, right? Not a comedy. Um, So tone, really good. And then subject matter, like what ideas might we encounter or explore, right? And this kind of borders up against some of the other things when we get to safety, but like what is in this game? Right. Like I was like, oh, well, I'm, you know, the the concept of this game is Jason Bourne fights fight vampires. So I'm thinking we need to have car chases, hacking, um, mm-hmm. all, you know, like I ran through a list of things with you guys. Um, so I love cats, right? Like it's I mean, it was part of the 200 word RPG contest and it has I, I checked my um, I checked my um, notes because I have a one note notebook that has all my campaigns in it. And I've been using this framework for a few years now for campaigns and it always does a good job of focusing my conversation. So uh, that's my big tip for, for that first part, setting expectations of the game, use the cats framework. Jer. All right. You got next. Next. You want to decide what materials are going to be in your campaign. You want to scrutinize what you're going to allow in, especially when it comes to supplements. Not all supplements are made equal, even if they're made by the same publisher and a bad supplement can very quickly break a game. And sometimes you just have too many materials and they can be overwhelming. Um, I talked before about like, I enjoy Pathfinder first edition, but once they got to, what is it? Like 35, 40 character classes and each one had, I'm not kidding, like 22 different archetypes. It just got to be too much. And I said, nope, we're just going to do two book, these two books and that's it. Because as a GM, it was too overwhelming to try to keep track of all the things that could happen in every single game. Yep. Um, and it's okay to say that just, this is what we're going to play. We're just going to play this. Um, you, and also you can also the what they want. you can also yeah. do the exact opposite right you could be like this is a kitchen sink game like yep. bring whatever junk you have found in whatever recess of the internet and you can play it yep that's a very different game as long as everybody <laughs> on board at the table is like okay let's do that yep yep yeah because i i've actually seen a case and i've had this happen to me years yeah. ago um where uh, everybody was like, oh, okay, so I, I see there's like a couple supplements for the game and like, you know, they're basically making stuff out of the core book. And then like one player like went and hunted down like some weird ass supplement on drive through and like shows up and is like, can I play this? Yep. And it's like, oh, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Like, yep. yeah. And that's that could be problems. Uh, also, you want to discuss what you're going to do when new things come out during the campaign. You know, you're playing fifth edition and all of a sudden, there's a new supplement that comes out. Um, what, are you, what are your rules going to be for whether or not to allow it and what to do with it? Um, and discuss the possibility of things like retroactive. You know, if a new supplement comes out, will we be able to just say, okay, this is how this ability works now if something changes? Just discuss that. You don't have to come with firm, this is the, the final rule. It's just how are we going to handle this sort of thing? But get it up front because if people come into the game expecting to be able to play um, – you know, a summoner in Pathfinder and you tell them that we're not going to be using the advanced player's handbook, then they're going to be disappointed when they try to make it a character because they won't be have that character class available to them. So you want to discuss that right out the gate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, next one. Whew. Um, house rules, game modes, uh, options, et cetera, right? If your game specifically has play modes, right? So I'm thinking like Knights Black Agents has several modes. Uh, Paranoia XP has several modes. Uh, you want to discuss this before character gen. Um, yep. because whatever mode you are playing in will greatly influence character gen. 
So um, you want to get that like nailed down fairly early in your session zero to make sure people uh, know what's going to go on. House rules like supplements should be scrutinized. Um, my personal feeling, so I'll just say this, this is Phil's personal feeling. You may disagree. I like as few house rules as possible. Some are going to be necessary, but um, you know, I, and I will say this, this is my personal feeling, right? Once you've house ruled the game past a certain point, you should probably just be playing a, a different game, right? Be angry with that as much as you want. Um, but that's just my feeling. But for instance, like a house rule that I almost always use when I'm playing a D20 game is I don't use experience points. I level up by story. Yep. Right. So that's a house rule that I want to get down right away at the get go. Like, hey, um, like, hey, I'm just going to like I want a house rule away XP and go with story based advancement. Is everybody cool with that? I'm figuring we'll advance at the end of every module. Yep. Right. Like I just boom right there. If you do have a lot of house rules um, or any house rules, document them, like yep. get them into a Google Doc um, and share out that Google Doc with everyone, because that is. Um, that is going to come up at some point later, because while everybody will remember at session zero, you had this discussion, not everyone is going to remember every house rule. Yeah, so right. having it in a central shared doc is a really good place for people to be like, oh, yeah, remember, go back to the house rule doc like it's right there. And that becomes even more important if your house rules are voluminous. If you need yes. a multi-page document to keep track of them all, then you need a document so people have a <laughs> reference. Yeah. Or if you're changing a major rule in the game. That's really yes. important. If you're oh, changing, yeah, yeah. Even if, it's, even if your only house rule is one rule, if that rule changes uh, changes something very heavily in the game, you need to have it not exactly how that works because you're changing something that everybody's going to be using all the time. So. Yeah, take, take, a, tell, take us into safety, Jer. All right. So safety is important. And there's a tendency to skip over this or breathe through it too much when you're playing with an established group because we all know each other. And the assumption is sometimes there that we're all on the same page safety-wise. Um, I would strongly advise if you do nothing else during session zero, do safety. Avoid the temptation to skip over safety. Because often different games will bring up different topics, even with the same group. And it's worth exploring your lines and veils with each new game. Uh, some of the lines and veils will never change, and you can just confirm those. We never have this. We never have that. Um, others are going to change due to game content. You know, are we going to allow this to happen? Are we going to allow that to happen? Um, this could happen, but it can only happen off screen. Um, we were playing uh, about with a group of people. We're playing a game with vampires. So mind <laughs> control may be a thing. If we normally don't allow mind control, maybe in this game we're going to allow it, but only to a certain extent. That's when you bring it up. And make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, with all these safety discussions, look at the tools that you're going to use for the following areas. Um, be careful and talk about content warnings right off the bat. Uh, if there's things that you're going to have in the game, you got to let people know about it and maybe make some changes. Look at your boundary settings. Where are the boundaries for the game? What are we going to allow? What aren't we going to allow? Um, for example, we're playing Knights Black Agents. We're all um, spies. We decided to veil any sort of interrogation or torture. Just interrogation occurs off screen. This is it. We're not going to go through the thumb screws and all that kind of stuff. It's just it occurs because it's part of the game setting, but we're not going to go into any detail. That's how we set our boundaries on it. Um, we mentioned that you can always revoke consent. This is true in every game, but make sure you let everybody know you can always revoke consent. You're always allowed to say, I don't want that in the game because we're there to have fun. And make sure you talk about consent is affirming. When something comes up in the game that, that you as a GM or as a player think might be pushing at one of those boundaries, just say, is everybody cool if I do X or Y? 
And people say, yeah, that's fine. Or, yeah, I prefer we don't do that. And then you can just keep going through. There's nothing wrong with going through and constantly confirming us, uh, uh, confirming, <laughs> affirming consent. There we go. Restricted mark, word scramble. Um, when we go through this. And lastly, I have something in the game for de-escalation. If you've just been through a very tense scene, uh, especially if something that's going to have um, up against these boundaries, right off the gate, uh, make sure that everybody in the group knows that uh, they're perfectly okay to say, you know what, we just had a tense scene. Uh, we're going to allow everybody to take a few minutes to de-escalate after that. And that's okay. Remember, even if you're playing the same group that you always game with, you should be reviewing safety for this particular game. It only takes a few minutes to do, and it's always worthwhile. And you'll often have a much better game out of it because people know where they are. Even if the, even if this topic's never come up in the game, it doesn't matter. Everybody feels safer and they know what they can do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, when we get to settings, uh, when we get into the setting question, setting part, all of that, right? Some games are going to have built-in settings, right? Some games will just tell you, like, you play in this city, you do this thing. Um, other games are going to leave that up to the GM and the group to figure out. Um, Again, establish where your game is going to take place before character gen. Uh, some people will definitely want to um, have some flavor about their character based on where they um, where the game is taking place. Um, sometimes this affects character choices um, mechanically. Sometimes it's going to affect it narratively uh, based on you know what's going on. Senda's got a story, and I I'll just paraphrase it really quickly. But like somebody made like a. Um, like a water wizard. And then like they found out after the game started, like the whole thing took place in a desert. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's just like, wah, wah, like sad trombone, your character. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you definitely don't want that um, to happen. Yeah. Um, so um, your location discussion also is going to be, is going to vary. Right. Um, sometimes your location is going to be very specific. So if you're playing like the hood, um, the game focuses basically on your neighborhood, which you're going to build as part of the beginning of the game. Um, but if you're playing, um, if you're playing, uh, Star Trek Adventures, your location might be the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. Yeah. Which is enormous, right? But, but it's going to, so what I guess what I'm saying is the precision of your location discussion is going to have a lot to do with what your what the setting in your game is about, right? If 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 travel is fast and cheap, um, you don't have to be super precise about your locations, right? The Alpha Quadrant is a plenty good description for a Star Trek Adventures game. It rules out the Beta Quadrant and the Delta Quadrant and says you're in the Alpha Quadrant. That says a lot for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, if travel is slower or less frequent, then you're going to want to be more precise, right? So in the hood, like where is this what city is your neighborhood in? And if depending on the size of your city, where in the city is that neighborhood? Yeah. Um, because that will also have an effect, right? It's a much, it, it's the same discussion, just a smaller scope. Um, if your location is a, is a larger area, get a wish list from characters of places they'd like to see in the upcoming game. So we're playing NBA, Nice Black Agents. Um, we're going to play it with the default setting, which is in Europe. So I just asked everybody at the table, I'm like, Give me a European city you'd like to see come up in this game. I don't know when it's going to come up in the game. I'm not going to rush to jam them all in in the first like session or two, but I will have a list that, you know, as I'm building out the game, like, you know, this is where, um, you know, I think we had some easy ones like Paris and London. But I, I, Bob, what did you pick? Uh, I think I picked. Um, um, Was it Be- Belgrade? Belgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Amsterdam. And Jerry had Amsterdam. And I was like, cool. These are like. 
you know, these like this is fun. And also as a GM, it pushes me out of my comfort zone. Like I've been to Paris. So I like, Ooh. of course, I'm putting Paris in the game because like it's a city I've actually been in. But um, but the other picks are going to force me to go do some research, which is great because there's a chapter in the book in NBA about how to like research a city. Um, but it's cool because I will pull them in. And again, also creates emotional investment because also, Bob, I think you picked Belgrade because your character um your like your character background like yeah yeah it's serbian so it's like cool like this all so this all builds onto each other all right talk about character creation jr all right um excuse me we're fans of doing character gen as a group and this is always good to do during section zero because it's going to allow the players to design their characters to work as a group and it allows you to fill in your gaps and your needs um in nice black ages this is especially important you want to make sure that Almost and all the investigative skills and almost every skill is covered by at least one other person and one person in the game. Um, and therefore, you also have everybody present to talk about the characters they want to design, what overlaps was going to be, but also everybody's there to talk about the need for rule change or ruling to be clarified. Um, everybody gets to see and know the other characters there. Um, you know what everybody's abilities are and what they can do. Um, I've been in games where I've sat at a table with players and it's obvious that half the players there really don't know what the other characters in the group are capable of doing. And so every encounter is people fumbling around with what are our character resources in that. When you build yourself as a group together, everybody knows what everybody else has got and gives you a chance to build on things. Um, and this goes to the next part, which it lets you build strong ties and connections to each other. Um, and if you're going to have secrets in most games, it's better to just get those secrets out in the open that the players know them, but the characters don't because it will allow all the players to play those secrets better. Oh um, boy. Boy do yeah. I hate do I hate that uh uh what you call it? Do I hate that hiding uh hiding yeah. secrets from oh. other players? I we we in our in our Vasin campaign. Um everybody in Vasin has a dark secret. But we told them all out front and it's been a lot of fun because we have characters that are interacting with each other right off the bat that what they're going to be doing is going to be pushing up against another character's secret, which is going to give that other character a lot of role-playing opportunity to do things and gives us a chance to react to it in such a way that we're not looking at the at the player as if, oh, you're being a jerk. No, it's, oh, I understand as a player why your character is doing this. My character does it, and now we're going to have some fun role-playing interaction because we know what those boundaries, those secrets are. Um, doing this as a group is often going to take longer, and it's but it's worth it. And I want to remind you, do this all at the same pace with the GM guy in the process. And the player... Resist the earth, just jump ahead of where everybody else is in the generation process. Um, if you've got five players and three of them are still assigning stats, don't jump ahead yourself to the skill section. Wait for them to catch up so that you can all do skills next because um, it allows the GM, first of all, to talk about this is the next step. Plus, it allows all the players to kind of talk about, interact with what's going on with just that section of the character. Because um, you might have somebody who's taking a long time because they've got analysis paralysis. They're not sure what to do next. But having other players there to talk to and bounce ideas off of will give them an idea of what they want to do with their character. So as a player, even if you're done, just wait for the next section. Don't go flipping ahead to be ahead of everybody else. Um, do it together. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know there's an urge and I mean, I've had some players who show up with like a fully completed character. But like part of the like, I mean, part of it is like as you hear people making decisions, you may want to like, you know, fix like change and fix some things about your character. Like mm -hmm. it's, you know, part of the reason why like you do it cooperatively, um, yeah. 
So, yeah. And again, if you're playing something with playbooks or something, this isn't quite like you're pretty much going to do it together. But um, I mean, but this, still, this, this is exactly what happened. In Black Age. I'm a fast reader. I just read very fast. And so we were doing our characters. Um, I finished with my first set of skill points well before the person sitting next to me. I had uh, all 20 of my skill points spent when they were still spending like their first 10. And the thing is, I thought I had my character down pat. And then they were asking some questions and I realized, oh, we've got a lot of overlap. Now I should shift some of my points around. And I just waited as we went, other players did the same thing. And we, we had better characters at the end because we found out that like, you know, oh, well, I thought maybe I really, I should really have a point here and a point here and a point here. Like, oh no, this person's got two points in each of those. I don't need any of them. So I can mm-hmm. get rid of the ones I was just taking just to make sure we were covered. And that made it better for both of us. Um, yep. And because sometimes as players, especially if you're trying to work as a group, you will do things with your character just because you want to make sure that that base is covered. And you find out, oh, no, there are two other people in the group who not only have that base covered, but they're specializing in it. You can just focus on something else that you want. Or they may themselves say, you know, I'm not sure if I want to take this skill or this skill. And you can say, oh, well, I'm taking this skill. Great. I, then that helps their analysis paralysis because you're talking back and forth. It's always good to work together as a group at the same pace. Yep. 100% agree. Yep. Uh, coming off of character creation over to group creation. I have for the longest uh, time been a fan of the fear the group, uh, fear the boot group template. I don't actually use the template much anymore. I've used it in the past, um, but I love the premise of it, which is in essence, players need to be able to answer a single question about their group. Why are you all a group and why do you stay together? Right. Especially like when you see these, like, you know, I, I don't want to be stereotypical, but I'm going to be stereotypical, right? You see these like D&D games with like, I'm the tiefling assassin. And then there's like, I'm a lawful good paladin. Cool. Explain to me how this yeah. works. I'm not yeah. going to push on you and tell you it doesn't work. I just need you to tell me how it does work. Yeah. Like, are they in love with each other? Like, are they going to hate kiss later? Because that's awesome. Like, but if whatever the it is, is, oh no, they hate each other with the passion of a thousand burning suns, and every opportunity they they get, they're going to try and just uh, kill each other. Well, then yes. no, this isn't going to work. Yeah. They're not going to play that. Clint and Tasselhoff don't dislike each other. They bicker, but they love each other, yeah. right? Like Caraman and Raistolin. Yes, yeah. it's a great one, right? Like the big, the, the the big dumb fighter and the super smart evil wizard. Yes. Yeah. And he's awful. He's awful to Karaman, right? And like, you know, but again, the point being is, and because I don't like, I don't want to like, I don't want to tell players like, oh, you have to make like this harmonious, um, boring group. But I need you to be able to explain how this is a group. Like Friction and conflict is good to a certain point. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, if you're drawing guns on each other in the middle of your spacecraft, your Firefly, as Bob will remember, you've got some problems. Clearly have to discuss this out of character. (laughs) We're going to, yeah, we're going to have a breakdown mid game. Yes. Um, That actually happened to Bob and I. We may talk about it in the after show, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, So anyway. That question to me is key, and the um, the fear the boot template's a nice way to kind of like lead you into that question. But I, you can just ask that question. Um, but the, it's really important because you want the group concept first of all to be inclusive, right? Every player at the table um, needs to have a reason to be part of the group, 
and to yeah. be included in the group. You don't want to be like, yeah, we're like the four of us are cool, but we just like, we just, we, you know, we tolerate Jerry. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, I mean, unless that's worked out with consent, that's not going to be fun for Jerry. <laughs> um, if it's, if it's, you know, a shtick that you're building into the game, that's great. Like yeah. do, you know, do your thing. But I think we all know what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, we want, so we want it to be inclusive. We want everybody to be part of the group. Um, and we need the, we need the dynamic to be durable, right? We need a, we need a concept that's going to survive past the first adventure, right? Like the, um, like going back to Dragonlands, right? Like we know, we know no matter what, Karaman's not walking out on Raceland, like all the way, like when he turns full evil, Karaman's still there. Raceland walks out on Karaman, but that's a different story. Um, but anyway, um, that's uh what's called so that part's important right and it is entirely possible to make cool characters and put them together as a shitty group yeah yeah let's be let's be honest raceland knows that everybody else the party are just his minions so <laughs> yeah right yes all right yeah, yeah. um so and, and i'll say um i've been in games where both as a player as a gm where you look around the table and goes there is no reason why these people are adventuring together right. that the players have made absolutely zero effort to tie their characters in. All of them came in with, this is my unique special, special character. And as a result, the game, the game dies. As a GM, I'll be running this game. And there have actually been times where I've stopped being like, all right, I need well to sit down and tell me, why are you adventuring together? And if they can't answer that question, we're like, all right, when this campaign's, when this adventure's over, we're going to do a new campaign because it just kills the campaign. Yeah. Um, you, cause, cause you, you're constantly coming up with things where people are pushing against each other and so on. Um, and, uh, it, it's amazing to see. And I'll, t- and I'll tell you who is probably the best person I've ever gamed with as far as, uh, I'm going to have a hook that's going to bring my character into this group and also drag the people. And that is Mr. Everson sitting there. I've been in so many campaigns where he has come in as a player mid game and within five minutes has found a way to do a mini session zero with him and the rest of the group to get us into the group. Um, it's been pretty amazing. Was it that many? Like once? Yeah. Right? Like, no, no, I've been in a couple of them with you where where you've come in or where we sat down. Maybe it's where I come in, but you've made it very easy to tie characters together very quickly. So I'm just going to say, if you get a chance to play with Mr. Everson, it works. (laughs) I appreciate that. I mean, in general, you should get to play a game with Bob. I'm spoiled. I've gotten like 20 years of playing games with Bob, but, uh, other people have also raved about playing games with Bob. Am I wrong, Phil? I try to be. No, no, not in the least. Yeah. Not the least, Bob's a staple at almost every one of my tables. Yeah, it's it's the main reason I won't run cartel yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Bob to come around. <laughs> he hasn't been hot on it, so I've just been like, yeah, I'll hold off on it. At some point, Bob, I'm just hoping Bob will be in a mood, and I'll be like, cool, I'm pulling out cartel. We're playing. <laughs> You're catch me where I'm like, fuck everybody, I want to kill them all. I'm, I'm <laughs> patient, man. I'm patient. I'll wait. <laughs> patient, all right, I'll do it anyway. Um. The bottom line is get your characters formed into a group, like make this shit happen, figure out how, figure out why you're a group. Like, you know, yes, we all put up with the, you know, we, yes, we all put up with, you know, the, the short guy who keeps selling us out, but he owns the spaceship. So like, that's why we keep him around. Yep. Um, there's your Farscape reference for the evening. All right, Jerry, <laughs> tell me about the uh, connections and bonds. <laughs> well, um, some games are lucky. You're going to have this built in. You just follow the procedures. Most PBTA games are going to have some sort of bonds right with the characters. As you build your characters, part of them, uh, part of the, the character building is going to be the ties you have to one or more of the characters in the group. 
everything from Dungeon World to masks um, have some link. So by the time you're done creating your character, you've got some ties to the players in the group. But if your game does not have this kind of mechanic, you can use other uh, external rules you can simply import. And one of my favorites are the backstory cards by Ryan Macklin. Ryan fucking um, Macklin from the Ryan internet. fucking Macklin, yes, yeah. from the internet. Um, I love these some backstory cards. Um, it doesn't take much to adapt them to any game. It doesn't have its own connections rules. Um, what I like about the backstory cards is you draw a card, and it gives a situation from the past, but doesn't just address that character. It'll say things like, that character and the character two spaces to the left of them in the table. Um, both of you met while you were both trying to steal the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then it'll ask a question like, what was it you were trying to steal? And why did the other person impress you? So it's not just about how cool yep. your character is. It's why are you bonded to this other character? And I like those kinds of things because at, at any, there are other tables and charts and games that do the same kind of thing. But um, something about backstory and group, group coherency is almost always works best if you don't talk about how cool your character is. You find a way to make it how cool somebody else's character is and why exactly. you're tied in with them why you don't like them, you know, um, why you want to hate kiss them later on, you know, um, all of that can be tied in. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the two of you are both after the same, the same uh, lover. And now that lover is gone. And now you have this rivalry about everything else, but in react, but in reality, you respect them. Yeah. That makes for a great game. You're going to have some stuff going on with yeah. that. So build on that. Yeah. And just to wrap that, that thought up, um, Whenever you're doing something where you're ascribing something to another character, always mm-hmm. make sure that you get consent from that player as well. If, if that player really just isn't vibing with that idea, then don't do it. Go with something else. Um, if they're absolutely vehemently against it, then definitely find something. Don't force something on another mm-hmm. player character yep. um, when when they're not you know fully on board with it. So. All right. So, uh, of course, and I think we have partially done this before. I'm sure we could do shows on just about every one of these individual topics that yep. we've been giving tips on. Oh, yeah. But before we go to break, Phil, can you do session zeros for a one shot like at a convention or a game day? Yeah, you totally can. Right. Um, with a standard four hour slot. Right. You do not want to spend a whole session, obviously, doing a session zero. But um can you spend a little time and hit all the high notes? You absolutely can. So if we're looking at the list that um, we've been working from, uh, let's first group up all the things that if you're running a one shot, uh, you, the GM, have control of, right? Uh, which is decide on what materials are in the campaign. In this case, what materials are in the one shot, house rules, setting questions, and group creation, right? You don't need to have a discussion about these things. You can just hard code them into your session, right? This is, you know... You are a group of art thieves in Vienna. Bam. That's group. That's, that's your group creation. That's your setting yep. like nailed yep. down. Right. Yep. So you don't even have to worry about those. Take those right off the table. You're just hard coding those right into your game and your game description. You know, I want to just interject here real quick. Yeah. It may be interesting. I don't know if this would, if this would be a popular thing, but I'd be curious to have someone do it as an experiment. Have a session, a four hour slot at a con, which is, have you never done a session zero? Come to this four-hour slot. We're going to do a session zero and show you how it's done. So you just sit there. The whole the whole, st- the whole four-hour slot is a session zero for a game that obviously is never going to get played. But it's like a, like a session zero training camp 
I feel like that's a lot of massage for no happy ending there. I'm just but saying I know what you're an, after. It's, it's there's an a, interesting well, idea. There, well, there, there's a way to do that. There's a way to that is literally what I used to do when I did D and D third edition when it first came out at the store. Is I did um, character generation and group and group generation four weeks in a row, and all I did was sit down and show people how to build characters and then how to build a group out of that and how to build your characters. And then after four weeks, I then told everybody, okay. Anybody who wants to come back will be running a D&D game, which is how I unfortunately ended up with running a 16-player D&D game for a couple of weeks. Because I didn't actually expect that many players to show up. Uh, but I would do it as a group work. The group work. So I would yeah. do it as a I would do it as an actual workshop, right? Like a thing where, hey, we're going to workshop a session zero. Like if you've never done one before, this is a hands-on. Like we're going to make up a campaign and yeah. we're all going to discuss it and go through. Yeah, I wouldn't do it as an actual scheduled session because I think. Um, well, whatever, like, however you want to d- define yeah. it, but it's an interesting idea for, you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. Session Zero Workshop. Never done a Session Zero. Let's talk about how to make it exciting. Yeah. All right, cool. So so I covered I covered a bunch of things that you just don't have to cover, right? So let's, uh, you know, those are done. Uh, Jerry, what about Character Gen? All right. So for Character Gen, Connections, and Bonds, you're going to have to put those together for your one shot depending on the game. For any game that you can do pre-gens, but games like PBTA assume that you're going to already build the character at the table, and you have to plan that into your game. Um, for the pre-gens, though, you can just make the characters and create the bonds, just hand them out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing this at the table, um, just make sure you account for this at the start of your game. And if you're playing a one-shot, come ready to make quick decisions as the player. Um, when you're going to do this character gen, don't be the player sitting there by taking five minutes to pick out a class or a skill or a name. In campaign play, it's perfectly, perfectly acceptable, but if you're coming to play a game at a one-shot, Come prepared to, okay, I want to play the martial character. These are my three choices. Okay, I'm taking this one. Um, and if you're coming to play at a one-shot and you're going to be part of a small session zero, if you're having trouble, make a choice. Don't be afraid to table source suggestions. Go, hey, listen, I'm not really sure what to do here. Anybody have a suggestion? They might just give you some ideas you can then build off of. But the important thing is that when you're doing a character gen for a one-shot, you've got to keep it fairly quick. One, uh, your, your session zero for a one-shot shouldn't take two hours. Yeah. And to flip that a little bit, if yep. you're at the table for a one shot and it looks like another player is having trouble making a decision, maybe you can politely offer, do you, do you need help making making a choice here? Are you having difficulty with something? Because they yep. may not be a very outgoing person. They may not be mm-hmm. normally willing to say, hey, I'm having trouble here. Can you give me a hand? But if somebody offers it, they go, oh, yeah. Try and yep. be helpful to the, you know, don't force yourself on them, but, you know. No. But offer it up and see if they if they need a hand. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All, All right. right. So if character gen is a thing that either you're going to control or do it, like, do at the table, then there are two things that are absolutely worth doing at the start of your game, right? So this is your one-shot session zero. Um, setting expectations for the game. Do cats, right? Yes. Do a quick cats, a couple bullet points under each topic. Boom. Just convey the whole thing out to the table, make sure everybody's on board and safety. Like Jerry said before, just don't do a game without safety. Um, Take a few minutes to establish your safety tools, set some lines and veils, quick review your tools with everybody. Um, I have these baked into all of my prep for one shots. Mm -hmm. Um, Always make sure that I have this so that I can um, explain as I'm teaching a game, especially if it's a game I've written where people aren't familiar with what it is. I'm absolutely doing something like cats. If it's not cats itself, and I'm always doing safety. Yeah. Even if my safety is just going to be, hey, 
let's do a couple quick lines and veils and here's an X card. It's totally fine. Some games, you know, um, like Hydra Hackers, I often tell people um, a little content warning and then I'm like, I, you know, like, hey, let's set some lines and veils. Let's do an X card. I'm not ex- I'm not anticipating us pushing any boundaries tonight, but if we do, we have tools on the table just in case. Yep. Um, other things like Turning Point, like I'm going to slow down a little and be like, and let me show you our array of tools here because this game runs a higher chance that we're going to bump into something emotionally. Um, but I, I just do those things, right? That quick setting expectations is going to help everybody get aligned to what's going on in the game. Um, and then your safety check and then get going, start running your one shot. Yep. All right. So that's our set overview of session zero. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and check with the chat room to see what questions they have. But first, Bob is going to tell us about another show on the Mr. Mark Network. Hey, we're going to talk about Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. Jesse and Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all editions of D&D. Dark Sun's one of those settings that, um, uh, I don't know, I feel like you either love it or you hate it. Um, love it. I, I find it fascinating. Me too. I, I've never yep. had a chance to actually play it, but I find it fascinating, and I would love to sit down at the table and play some Dark Sun with some people. Um, I would very yeah. much also jump into uh, into that. I would prefer to play yeah. it in a more modern D anD D. I I would love, yeah. I would love like a five e. Yeah. Um, cool. Like if somebody has got a five e Dark Sun conversion, I um I've yeah. always been infatuated with the artwork because um Brom, oh, yeah. um and I and I and I love Brom's artwork. Um, I've loved I, I've I've loved his White Wolf artwork. Um, I, I I love I just I think the artwork for Dark Sun is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then Jesse and Robert do a really nice job. Yeah. Again, like us, they're not like a 101. They're they're like, you know, a 301 level class. Like they're going deep. <laughs> yeah. Who's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So chat room. Um, got a lot of questions going on here. Um, Blake Ryan um, um, made a comment. Uh, if it's a tutorial, it's practical. And if it's a panel, it's theory. Is that kind of a, a good breakdown? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not bad. How you would do that? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, that that thought just came to my head. Like w- that would be interesting to do a, a, a session zero kind of a, t- a tutorial, if you will. Um, but yeah, it makes sense more to make it as a workshop kind of a thing, where you're gonna where you're gonna work through it with that goal in mind, rather than to be like, because it no matter how explicit you make it in a in a description, there's always going to be somebody that's going to think like this is a game session where we're going to play a game. And it's like, oh no, this is not an actual game. We're just doing a session zero to do it, do a session zero, and that's all you're going to get out of this. Um, and you don't want to yeah. disappoint anybody at the table with that. So no, you're yeah. definitely going to want to definitely going to be upfront about that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that 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 would be an interesting. I would I would be very interested in uh, in uh, sitting on something like that just to, to I mean, show dep- people. I would say depending on the con, there's no reason you couldn't do a um, a panel. Or a tutorial, or a, or a, um, or whatever they call it when you go in and, and try something. Workshop. Workshop. You do you do a workshop on that, and then simply tell everybody, listen, the next four hour session, I'm here. If you guys want to try a one shot, I'm prepared to run something for you, you know, or have that planned. Uh, especially at one of the smaller cons where it's easy enough to just get us a table side and just say, listen, you know, part of this is going to be if you guys have the slot open after this, we're going to build characters for four hours, and then I'll run a four hour session or something. I mean, I would, I would that's easy to do. I mean, I've done that at pickup games and a lot of different small cons. So it'll be fun to try. So yeah, just another option. 
Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you could do something like that with a long, like, um, what is it down? Like, um, not Metatopia, Dexcon and those, um, oh, why can't I think of the other one? There's three of them. Oh, geez. Dexcon. Dexcon, Metatopia. Yeah, the other one. Where's, where's Rob when you need him? (laughs) Yeah. Um, anyway, um, they have long cons where they have like multiple sessions over the course of like a day or two. Yeah. Um, and you know, one could do a session, like a a more in depth session zero, um, as part of one of those. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I think that, I think that work, I think like a workshop, like demo kind of thing for um for it is actually really cool if especially if no one's ever run a, a full session zero before um because it is a powerful tool but like i said it is very much a campaign tool like a yeah. mini like the mini one that you do in a um in a one shot is nice but it's really just to kind of get everybody on board and you really want to just kick into the action like as fast as possible yeah. um but for a campaign, I think they're like, I think they're invaluable and you should take your time to do them. And I have no problem when we dedicate a whole evening to getting session zero done yeah. uh, for an, for an upcoming campaign. Absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Hang on. Yeah. Get a little water. Ugh. Are you, uh, I'll just ask you really quickly before I jump back in. Are you recording from the house or are you recording from, um, from oh, the condo? It's still at the house. Yeah. The, the condo's yeah. not, you have not, you have not after. transferred. Um, yeah. This you're is not still- transferred. This is still a studio, whatever. <laughs> okay, the official transfer of the studio. Take like I, I transferred my studio. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's that's one okay. of the reasons why we're not doing the show on the seventh is so that I can set up the new studio space. And so this 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 stays here. This will be like one of the last things that gets broken down is the equipment that uh, that I run the show off of. Everything else in this room will be gone. <laughs> and so I need to just check this thing. Your move is on the fourth. Correct. Okay. All right. Good, good, good. All right. I just had a thought. I need to write myself a thing. Take yourself a note. I'm writing myself a note right now before we jump into the next session. While you're writing, I will get ready to jump us back in because we're about to go into the second part of this particular workshop, which is the roundtable discussion which I'm sure everybody is familiar with the format. We're going to do three questions, starting with this one. Yes, question number one. In campaigns that you have played in or campaigns that you run, answers can be different, um, was there a formal session zero? All the time, sometimes, rarely, never. You don't have to do like over your entire career of yeah. gaming because yeah. um, you, uh, much like myself, you are old bastards. And of course, it was never like... Yeah past a certain point it hasn't it didn't happen but yeah you think you all know where i'm going with this question take it jerry Uh, i think today uh it's an always if i'm going to take the time to run a campaign um i want a group that works together if i'm running a campaign i want them to be together i uh i've seen groups fall apart because we don't do a good session zero um and i'll be honest I'll, i'll caveat that with saying if the session zero goes badly i have canceled the campaign I've gotten to the end of a night and said, this group is not going to work well together. You don't seem to be aligning well. This is not the game for you. Um, you know, you find out that half the group wants to run um, super mechanical dungeon crawl and the other half of the group wants to have um, exploration and kissing and doesn't want to go into dungeons at all. And it causes a problem. Um, and it just, it's just not going to work. And that's okay. That's time to do a different game. Um, as far as play, 
Um, I can't think of the last time I played in a campaign that didn't have some sort of session zero. Even if the session zero was only you know, like half the night because we were designing simple characters. Um, when we played Fate. Fate, I think we spent two hours designing characters and doing session zero, but we hit on all the all the upper topics there because there were, Fate's pretty, there wasn't that much to pick from. And um, not that Fate isn't complicated. There's not a lot on your character sheet you have to pick from. So it was, you know, assign your stats that took us five minutes. Talk about your your backgrounds that took us 25 minutes. Pick your aspects that took us another half hour. And then we're going to do our group building and that took us another half hour we were ready to play. Um, and that worked really well. So I would say um, these days, I think we do session zeros in almost everything. The only time I haven't seen session zeros have been for um, uh, one shots. And some of the campaigns I've played uh, at stores where the GM really wants to get the game going. So we design characters in, in half an hour and then go from there. I think that's the only time that I haven't seen much of a session zero going in. Um, but that's because we're playing with very disparate groups that kind of build on each other. Um, that'd be about it. Bob? Yeah, like Jerry, I, I can't think in recent memory of anything that I've played that didn't have some kind of a session zero attached to it. Um Back when I used to run stuff, we never did session zeros. We all just were like, hey, let's play this. And we just kind of jumped in and we did our thing. Um, and some of it really showed <laughs> when we, we got deeper into it. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's almost ubiquitous now. I, I can't think of anything that, that hasn't had one. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm laughing when you said that because I, you know, um, you've been in like 90%. <laughs> 95 we run i mean we run so many good games nowadays but it is literally run on top of the piles of bones that we sit upon from all the failed and half-assed campaigns we sit triumphant upon the corpses of many many dead campaigns i have learned many things but i have left many bodies in my wake yeah um yeah for a number of years i've been doing session zeros um i think as soon as i understood what a session zero was i was like oh shit man we should be doing that again by uh by career i'm a project manager right so um in fact when i was looking through the 2017 um notes from episode 256 there were a lot of project management references in there because they were very much um from a time where I was doing a lot of comparison between stuff I knew in project management to stuff I knew um, in GMing. And there is a lot of overlap um, with those. So yeah, I like, as soon as I knew what it was, I was doing it before then was I doing it? Not really. Like I was doing the, I was doing character gen. I've always been a fan of character gen um, together, not apart. I don't really like when I have for many years, not liked, um people showing up with characters like don't show up to my game with your pre-made character because not that i don't trust you but i don't like when people bring disparate characters like bring your shit together share like share your ideas and build your characters so i think like early early on in my like gming career all of my session zeros were basically the character gen um part where a lot of these questions would like come out informally like Oh, what city are we going to be in? Oh, good question. We should probably talk about that, right? Like the thing about like my session zeros now is like they're structured. Like they're like a little meeting, right? Before we get to character gen, like I run it like a little meeting where I have, I mean, I have it all written down and I kind of go through and ask people questions and get consensus and those kinds of things. Um, Whereas like before, like 
some of that shit happened before the game. Some of it happened like, you know, people showing up with supplements, like right at the last minute, like all of that nonsense. So yeah. uh, I've been very good about it. Um, I've been diligent about it because I, I totally believe in session zero. Um, I haven't played as a player in a while, but um, I haven't. I just did um, a session zero um, with Gator for his uh, uh, for an upcoming Numenera campaign. So we totally did a session zero mm-hmm. um, and Gator's version of cats, which um, which was uh, which was pretty good. Um, not quite the same way I run cats, but again, I, um, I don't think you have to run it a particular way. It, the important part is just that like you hit those highlights. So it was, it was perfectly fine. Um, but it was good. It was nice to be in a session that had, um, you know, that had some of that discussion leading up to it. I like session zero, but I don't like cats. So we're going to do dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We'll figure something out. For you got to make some, you got to, you got to fill in that analogy, but sure. I'm with you. Destiny, origin, group dynamics, and setting. Off the top of your head. <laughs> Nicely done, Jared. Nicely right, done. Well played. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's why you I'm the opposite of Phil. I do things off the cuff more than I do long planning. It doesn't always work out as well though. So well there you go. Gators were Gator. Yes. <laughs> Thank All you very right, much. Now we gotta make Beautiful. that acronym. Beautiful we'll answer. do that in the after show. Yeah. Yes, we will. All right, question two. For one shots that you've played a run in, was there ever a session zero? Yeah, I totally can't recall clearly. I know there's been a few that have had the abbreviated Session Zero-E type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been a long time since I've played a one-shot. <laughs> a long time, because that's back mm-hmm. in the con days. Uh, <laughs> and that that was like a long... That was like 40 years ago, right? I mean... It was before times. That was yes. before March of 2020, so that's that's like... That's like ninety seven thousand weeks, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's sad. See yeah. before COVID. Think yep. back on the before <laughs> times in Memba. <laughs> what about you, Phil? Yeah. Um. So in ones that I've played occasionally, right? I think it's been hit and miss. Some people do it. Some um. Some people do it. The um. The Gauntlet community is exceptionally good at this. Um. Like when I've done Gauntlet Con and stuff, like they're really good at this kind of um. Uh, like I mean, they're they're also big fans of cats. In fact, I think that's where I learned it from was from Gauntlet. So like Gauntlet games like tend to be really uh, have really good kind of um, mini zeros for those one shots. Um, so I really appreciate those things. Um, when I do it, I do it too. I like a mini. I do a mini zero um, as well. Um, I, I think it helps, um, especially because I want like I want everyone to have a good time. So I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Like. No, it's never fun when somebody's like, you know, when when three people at the table are all on the same page and the last person like is off, you know, I want them all. I want I love consensus. Yeah. I love consensus. I'm making yeah. also it's good. You can't see with this camera. You can't see all the hand gestures I'm making under the camera, but I'm I love consensus. Um, Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I've had it. Um, like I said, I, in certain places, I've had it. Um, And I definitely when I run games, I put a mini zero in. How about you, Jer? Um, playing, it depends on the game. Most of our home one-shots we've done have had some sort of session zero, even if it's just half an hour of obviously going over safety first and then some sort of group tie-in. Um, the advantage is that if you do this often enough, the same group, even for a one-shot, everybody kind of slides into that, that session. So you're doing, sometimes you'll have some overlap where while you're building your characters, you're doing the group, the group dynamic thing as well. Um, at cons, as a player, very rarely have I had a session zero unless it's a PvPA game. 
Um, as far as running one shots, um, I always try to do some sort of session zero. Um, when I do a, at a con, just like Phil, I, I plan out some time just to do the basics. Safety, expectations, and tone. Um, if, I'm if I'm talking about a game that we're designing, I'll still go over, you know, what are we expecting out of this game? But always do safety. And if I provide some sort of pre-gens, like when I do stuff for Savage Sundays, um, I always have some sort of link between each character and at least two other characters written in to the character description so that they've already got a tie-in. But then I encourage the players to add more. Um, and we've even experimented with some relationship cards, backstory cards, whatever, um, while they're just kind of going over their characters so that they all have a chance to do some sort of tie-in as well um, after we go over safety. So even with pre-gens, when I'm running something, I want to have some sort of link to the party because it makes it go better. All right. Cool. Question so question three, three, tell us about an enjoyable session zero activity that really helped to enhance a game and what uh, <coughs> made it so helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was thinking about um, uh, our masks game, Bob, uh, yep. where we did that modified microscope session yep. uh, and we built out the comic book history of our setting. That was so, brilliant. I loved it. So the things that we put into it was like we had um, the golden age, the silver age, the steel age and the modern age of like in our game. And we did each section one at a time. And I had like I think I had come up with like a couple of things that we had to do, like who were the important heroes of that time? Yep. Who were the important villains? Um, a couple things about the city and then like name a name a place or two in the city. And then the last one was. What was the mini series that ran event? Yeah. What was yeah. the big, what was the big event in that time period? And we spent a, we spent a whole, um, we spent a whole session doing that. We were at Panera. I remember yep. we spent a whole session going over that. Table you, Tony Glenn and index I index cards covered with index cards. And then I took all of it and like, and I took pictures of all of it and then put it all into Google docs. But that history made everything oh yeah about our like everything that happened in our game was initially laid out on that table your character choice tony's character choice like they were uh and glenn's actually yep. all three of your characters were tied to things on that table um our major story arc came from the ideas that were put down in that table about tesla yep um what was it tesla at war with the 25th century yep. fuck that was really good <laughs> now that I'm just thinking about it, yep. um, but it was game. so much fun and it was, and it was necessary because we were playing a, um, I felt it was necessary because we were playing a comic book game. And like, one of those things you need in comic books is like, you need like the, um, you need it to feel like a comic book universe. Yeah. Um, but it was so many good things came out of that activity. Like I, I'm kind of like still blown away. Like everything, like I don't, our mass game would not have been, the same had we not done that definitely activity not. first definitely not so to me that was like that was a it was and it was a ton of fun yep. like it was yep. it was totally fun to do it was enjoyable um and it, it made it made such a difference uh in playing the game absolutely how about you jer well, i think um using the backstory cards for ffg star wars it was the first time i was going to run a full campaign in genesis um it was the first time i was going to run star wars with this group of players and I think it was also the first time I ran a sci-fi game with this group of players. And um, so we used the backstory cards. And actually, I used two for each player. So I, they all had one go on the table. We did a second time. Because um, with six players, we had enough people to have enough bonds back and forth. And 
Uh, by the time we were done, we had a group of heroes with legitimate reasons to stick together and common goals and some in-jokes right from the start. And um, what was nice was because each time it was one or, it was two or more players building the backstory together, there was input on both sides. And um, it also meant that we ended up tying together players who don't normally form bonds during groups. When you have six players, it's often that you'll have like, these two are always doing things together and these two are always doing things together. And so this time we had this player and this player doing something, especially since the characters themselves would probably never have had a reason initially to be together unless you forced it. The cards created a situation where it became obvious. And one of those was the, um, what is one thing, just the, the doctor um, ended up picking the, the artist slash pilot was the other character involved and it was, uh, but both of you were trying to steal something. Well, the doctor was trying to steal medical equipment because um, it was going to be something that he could use to supply the rebellion. And the artist was trying to steal medical equipment because it was high quality steel that she could use to make her abstract artist's things. And then they both got caught at the same time. And they talked about how this person helped, how they helped each other out and what they did to escape. It became a little like four or five minute dialogue back and forth about what they did to escape the empire on their way out. By the time we were done, we're like, yes, now we know why these two are adventuring together because they have this whole shared history that would not have otherwise yep. been there. And uh, those two actually formed kind of the core of the of the party for the initial part of it. Um, and it was it, the whole thing was like that everybody had ties together. Yeah. So, And sometimes uh, that's all sorry, it takes ahead. is that one little spark, couple oh. of words that triggers an idea a thought and then all of a sudden it builds that connection that ends up being a core uh, a core piece of the of the the uh, of the the bond between these people and it goes a long way so love that stuff well I mean, just re just real quick i want to mention what needs to be careful of and this is something that you can learn a lot with your players was one of the cards was um player a knows two or player b knows two rumors about player a they're both true, one positive, one negative, but both players have to agree on them. And that was the important part was that the second player couldn't just make stuff up off the top of their head and force another player into it. Yeah. But it ended up being really interesting because player B gave player A two rumors about them, one, one positive, one negative, that were true. And they were basically character descriptions. And the other player is like, oh, I like both of those. I never would have thought of either one. And you know, yes, this is something like my character... Um, always tells people that he hates country music, but secretly he loves country music and won't tell anybody about it. Great. That's fine. That works well. I can't remember what the other one was, but um, because it was something that, that, that the initial player wouldn't have thought of, but was happy to have come to them. Now it built a really good character. And of course, the other question is why does player B know these rumors? That's the other part of it. It's fun. So, yeah. but just make sure that you're never forcing something on another yeah. player that they don't want for their character. Always so, get consent. Always get consent. Thank you. There yes. you go, Bob. So I All looked right. at this Left question back. and I was trying to think, uh, I looked at Phil and Jerry's answers in the notes and I was trying to think of other instances with something similar. And honestly, the masks one, that microscope thing, I think there's a ton of different games that I would like to sit down and do a microscope session zero build for um, that I think would go a long way toward making a really rich background for the world that you live in. Um, loved how that turned out for us. Um, and then tangenting off of Jerry's, we did a backstory, uh, uh, a backstory cards thing in one of our session zeros for, if I'm not mistaken, it was the sprawl 
mm-hmm. but it may have been the other one. What was the other one that was like the sprawl? But I, there's there's a couple of different like cyberpunky <laughs> things that yeah. we tried, but maybe it was the veil. I don't know. No, was it Headspace? Headspace. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the sprawl though. Um, but okay. yeah, we did that. We did that whole thing, and it was. Um, <laughs> super helpful in not only making the connections but also backstory cards has that element of helping to deepen your own character not just to create those connections between multiple characters but sometimes the 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 side effect maybe not even related to that specific element that ties those two together but the conversation around that can help to deepen the background of that character so I love that kind of stuff. That's all good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't always do it because I don't always like um either don't have a need or like for instance like Knights Black Agents, I want to do backstory, but like I don't want to do microscope because I don't really want you yes. knowing um, Yeah, microscope for the for the NBA game would have been a completely different animal. Like yeah. we we've the the world backgroundy stuff really other than modern day type stuff and some of the constrictions we put on that um it, like it's got its own kind of built in like you know you got the conspiracy and 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 the vampire stuff you i think sitting down and doing a microscopy session for something like that would probably be uh, overkill or unnecessary well that's kind of redundant but in any event <laughs> even even redundant was redundant that's enough that's all right that is our fresh look at the session zero on uh, nearly 200 episodes later from the first time we did it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, we hope that uh, as you start to run new games that you will put some of this advice to use, like hope that like, you know, give it a listen, figure out what pieces you need to put together for your ultimate session zero. All right. We're going to check in one more time the chat room and then we're going to head off to the conversation corner. So Bob, what's in the chat room tonight? Um, Senda took quiet. a shot. <laughs> yeah, they're a little quiet for this particular segment, which is fine. Um, Senda took a shot at the uh, at the acronym for Gator, <laughs> giving action tempo oral repscallions. I'm not sure that equates to uh, uh... to uh, concept <laughs> aim tone subject matter. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like an after show kind of character. It, it does sound a little after yeah. showy, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll come up with something interesting for that. Um, but yeah. Let's just bounce right on into the convo like this. Doodly doodly do. Don't soundbite that, Rob. Now he's going to soundbite it. <laughs> so, of course, uh, I finished up my rewatch of season two of Discovery. Um, super enjoyable. Um, getting ready to fire up season three soon. Um, Lower Decks season two is not failing to, uh, to excite. Um, the, the, volume of easter eggs in episode two of lower decks this season holy just yeah. ridiculous it I, I can't even begin like too many it would be spoilery to start describing oh just put it on pause and just, just you like yeah every frame of yeah. that episode is a is an easter egg just ridiculous. deep 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 dives deep oh, some cuts deep, deep cuts from all yeah. over the place just ridiculous um, what if, uh, again, did not disappoint the, this, the second episode was, was glorious. Um, the next episode coming up is going to be very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, the, I, I think this season is going to give me exactly what I wanted out of a what if show. <laughs> yeah. 
loads of fun. It is it is much better than I expected. Yeah. And I expect I expected a lot. But yeah. yeah. Um of course we talked about the Knights of Black Agents session zero. Um there were there were a couple of moments where when we were trying to decide who had what and, and whatnot, um where it starts to become really clear where the uh the spread is of the different abilities and, and how things are gonna work together. Um mm-hmm. and by the time we got done with that, um we have a nice, well rounded group with some distinct primary roles and flexibility across those those characters to do other things. It's a really nice mix. I'm very happy with how that ended up. And um the, there's a thing in Knights Black Agents called the drive, and that's like what what drives your character to do the thing. Um, and it was originally when I started looking at the list, I was like, oh man, I don't know what to take. I don't know what to take. And then Phil reminded us like, there's some in there that are specifically tied to the vampires themselves, to the to the conspiracy, and it's like. You won't have that drive. If you pick one, you won't have it at the start of the game. But once you realize that vampires exist and the reveal happens, that can be your drive going forward. And then the light bulb went on. And I, for my character, I took Slayer. It's like, as soon as I find out that vampires exist, I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> this has got to stop. They have got to go away. So I'm looking forward very much to the reveal when uh, when that moment happens and, and my character has their little epiphany uh, and decides to just go off. <laughs> It'll be an interesting moment. Um, yeah, that, that game, the first time I ever played it, I very much enjoyed um, the the game itself, although the story that we were telling was, was tainted a little bit by some table stuff that, that didn't quite work out. Um, but love the system. Gumshoe is the way to go if you're going to do any kind of investigative game, as we've said multiple times. Um, so that's that. Um, we haven't, uh, we're, we're down to, at the moment, we're down to just every Sunday uh, with rotating. So Knights Black Agents on, on opposite Sundays from iHunt right now. Um, so we don't have that third game um, that we were doing on Thursdays, our kind of beer and pretzel night that we were doing for a while. That's kind of still yep. in limbo, whether we're going to do that or not, or pick up a different mm-hmm. day or whatever. And our Friday game that we were playing with Chris is uh, is is either dead or on hiatus. I'm hoping just on hiatus because of his schedule. Um, so it's just two games that we've been kind of going back and forth with. So I haven't been getting a ton of gaming in um, right now. That's not a huge problem with all of the move stuff going on, but I'm kind mm-hmm. of like, once things settle down, I feel like I want to grab another game somewhere. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I think at some point we'll some some of us will have to think about whether or not we want to grab another game on a different night because I feel like I need one more. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'm going to say is at the moment I feel like I'm spending money like Bezos. Um, <laughs> I got. Did you I buy got, a big penis rocket? I did not buy it? a big penis rocket, no. But I bought um, a couple of curtain rods, which are long. Um, <laughs> and so phallic, I mean, some sure. Some people could consider that phallic. Um, and a, sh- a cow... Sh- oh, man. Misdirected Mark, word scramble. A shower curtain rod. Yes, that's one of the other things I bought. Um, yeah, I just there's like this long laundry list of stuff that uh, that I've been slowly working my way through. And just over the last couple of days, I've dropped like a, a chunk of change. 
but it's all going to go into hopefully a, uh, a functional, livable, homey condominium um, that mm-hmm. I hope will be um, um, aesthetically not uh, out of whack. <laughs> we'll put it that way. I am have, not have exactly a, a, a designer. Or, uh, not, uh, a designer is not the word I was. Uh, um, decorator? A decorator, thank you. I'm not exactly an interior decorator. I'm not like uh, one of those people that's that's like super good at like matching matching this to that and color schemes and stuff. But I think I know enough that the choices that I've made so far, um, a lot of neutral stuff that generally goes together without mm-hmm. without fault. So we'll see how it looks once it's done. Yeah, there you go. All right, Jerry. What about you? Um, again, I'm just starting disco and really enjoying it. Um, lower decks completely blew my mind. I was, I was, I loved episode one, episode two, even better. Um, some deep digs. Uh, what if I, after watching episode two of what if I want to run a game in that world? That's all I'm going to say. It, it was, um, uh, so much better. I, I just, I, I expected what if to be a lot of fun. Um, I was a little worried that we're going to go with kind of standard plots and nothing special was nothing. Nothing new was going to happen, having read the what-ifs. And if you read the descriptions, like, oh, what if A, B, and C? Nope, they take A, B, and C, and they add X, Y, and Z and flip it on its head and take it in places you weren't expecting, and I loved all of it. Um, got to sit and uh, watch Rick and Morty with Bob. Uh, I, I love Rick and Morty, and it's I had seen all the episodes because um, I have the I, I bought it to be in the season. But it was fun to sit with Bob and, and talk about just a lot of big reveals. Uh, the very last episode of this season uh reveals a couple of really big important things about rick's background and they're kind of hidden in conversation but when you're done with it you're like oh shit so it's some good stuff um nice black agents a lot of fun i'm really i'm looking for these characters as i talked told phil as we were leaving i'm like even though we're not done with session zero i would already watch a tv show with these five characters in it um they the it's just it's a lot of fun and tied together um and uh i've been catching up movies i i sat and watched the movie the hunt which was a, a big hullabaloo about a year and a half ago. Um, it was okay. It wasn't great, but it was interesting to finally catch up on something. I'm trying to finally watch movies. I don't watch enough movies and TVs to catch up on stuff. People talk about pop culture stuff, and I'm way behind. Um, we were just discussing that. I still haven't seen Can't Hardly Wait, so I might have to have Phil run a watch party for us someday. So, um, But that was it for me. Just a, a fun little week of getting stuff done. Phil? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of my stuff overlaps your stuff. Uh, I'm ahead of, I think, a couple of you on Discovery. I'm like nine episodes into season three. Um, I wind up watching like two or three episodes at a time because I start watching one. I'm like, shit, yep. I got to like watch the next one. Um, so, uh, yeah, Discovery, Disco 3 is um, Disco three is really good. Um, I don't want to say anything about it because there are people who haven't watched Disco yet. Um, but I will say this to Bob, there's a moment, um, cause I know you've seen it before. There's a moment where, um, Michael's in the junkyard on this junkyard planet looking for self-sealing stem bolts. Yep. And I was like, oh man, like that's a fantastic DS9 reference. Yep. Um, you don't get a, you, you don't get a, you know, self-sealing stem bolt reference very often anywhere else in Trek. That was a deep, that's deep cut. Um, Lower Decks was amazing. God, that show's really good. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's its own trek. It really is. It's its own yeah. trek in its own right. It's fantastic. It's quite enjoyable. Uh, what if was amazing as well. I would also play in that what if game. Um, that what if, um, that what if is fantastic in, um, 
in the changes that it makes. Plus um, one of the last Chadwick Boseman um, appearances. So that was also quite touching. Uh, I finished all the blacklist episodes that are on Netflix. I uh, got through the entire season and was not prepared because I wasn't sure where, like what year each of the seasons fell under, but the end of season seven, season seven ends early because of COVID and the last episode of the blacklist there's like a zoom call with all the actors and they're like, we have some of this episode shot and some of it not shot. So they got this like not great computer animation and used it to fill in the parts that they couldn't shoot and voiced it over so that they could do the whole episode. And I, it wasn't bad. Like it was a nice way to kind of get through, but then they like, they prematurely ended that season like six episodes early because that was the 2020 um that was the lockdown for 2020 so it um like it locked down and that was it there is a season eight that came out last or they came out this past year but it has not dropped to netflix yet so um i needed something else to watch because i typically watch netflix while i'm um, eating at my dining room table i just have like a ipad set up and if i'm the only one eating i just like watch something uh so i began shira ah, nice so I'm, uh, I finished the first episode and I'm partway into the second episode. I already like it. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, like it's fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm right there with it. It's cool. So, uh, I started watching Shira cause I figured that is the fastest way I will, um, I will clear all of those episodes cause I, I, I watch at least, um, I watch every day at breakfast. And then if I'm eating, uh, dinner alone, I watch on those nights as well. So it'll take me a couple of weeks, but I'll, I'll get through Shira. Uh, I spent a chunk of uh, today uh, working on NBA, working out the vampires. Um, to me, this is like the most critical part of playing Knights Black Agents is to have some idea of who the vampires are, um, who they are, where they've been, that kind of thing. And uh, I'm narrowing it down. I feel like I've got the good, solid start to them and think I understand what the like what they do in the modern age. I just like, I'm going to run some of it past Senda to see how it sounds. Cause it sounds good to me, but I need to make sure it sounds good outside of my head. <laughs> um, but once I have that down, then I can start working up um, stats and stuff like that. That will all lead into the first, uh, first adventure. The cool part is the, um, the game does such a great job of kind of steering you yeah. into creating your vampires. Um, again, cool. I can't say enough nice things about Knights Black Agents because I really do think, and I use this, um, I say this a lot, right? That I think Knights Black Agents is one of the best design games ever. And I say that in that, and I think I've said this before, everything that the game says it's going to do, there's a part of the book that helps you do it. Yep. Um, and, and it's very rare to find a game that is that tightly coupled to everything, everything you need to do in this game. I'm going to show you how to do it in the game. And, um, it's great. Like it's really sharp. Um, so yeah, I'm going through the, the vampire chapter and it, like it asks you questions and gives you options and has you like, Hey, you should think about this and you should think about that. And you should, you know, you know, what, how does this work? And then, and then it takes you to the mechanical section where it's like, okay, let's, let's stat up your full vampire now. Like let's make some choices and let's stat up your full vampire, give it powers and all that stuff. Um, which I think is cool because when you play Knights Black Agents, you don't really know, like, you know, it's Jason Bourne fights vampires, but you don't know shit about these vampires. Like, like, I, you know, there are a couple of things like they drink blood, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. 
But after that, you like it, you got to go figure this stuff out, um, which I love. Um, I think it's brilliant. So anyway, I could gush about that game um, constantly, but I won't. Um, what else to do? I made some chicken shawarma this weekend using my tried and true recipe that I got from New York Times. Man, that thing never fails. Like it is, that is, that just makes some good food. I got one more leftover of it to take tomorrow to work. And I'm like, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm like, oh, good. I got like, like I got a decent, um, a decent lunch for work. And I'm going to make some, uh, chicken teriyaki this weekend. That's going to be my, uh, my big dinner on, um, Saturday. Make some chicken teriyaki, some white rice, broccoli kind of thing. Should be delish. I was thinking of making some very, very nice, you know, like, dishes and in the back of my brain earlier today i'm like you know what i should do later this week is i should make some tachos <laughs> i mean listen i uh i also had like some uh also on my on my menu for this week that i'm or for the next week i had some leftover um fish planks like frozen fish planks and i'm like cool. what? i'm like i had them and they were like okay i'm like what can i do with these i'm like ah, oh, you know what? i'm gonna make fish tacos out of these yep <laughs> like i'm just gonna i'm gonna get some i'm gonna get some uh get some red cabbage and a little sour cream mayo, make the the slaw for it, and uh, I'll, and some tortillas, and fuck it, I'm gonna turn these, I'm gonna turn these like mediocre fish planks into some fish tacos. I, I won't and, even uh, bother buying, like I don't do anything with any kind of of frozen fish uh, <laughs> uh, planks, whatever you want to call them, tenders, like they they go inside a burrito. That's that's they. I, I take a wrap, I put some some stuff in there with them, cheese and whatever. Um, I haven't gone as highbrow as to, you know, to put in like cabbage and, and, and other stuff like that yet. But, um, but yeah, I, I make fish burritos. I don't, I don't just cook them, put them on a plate with like a side. Like, no, that's boring. <laughs> it's a fish. I, I wanted, I wanted to break up my, um, my tots and tenders thing. So I was like, Oh, I'll get some like frozen fish or something. Like, Cause so here's the thing. There are a couple nights during the week where I don't have a lot of time to eat. So, or I don't have a lot of time to cook. Yeah. So in my, um, in kind of my weekly, um, in my weekly menu, I have like certain weeks where I'm just like, okay, um, this is going to be like tots and tenders tonight because I, you know, I'm coming in late from work and I need to eat something before, like I'm doing something else. And then there are other days of the week, like Saturday where I'm like, I have the whole evening. I'm going to fucking cook something, right? Like, no pressure on me. I'm going to cook, make something elaborate, have some fun with it. So, yeah. So I was like bored and I was like, oh, I, I've done enough tots and tenders. So I was like, let me do fish and chips, like frozen fish and chips. And the fish was like, okay. Like it wasn't fantastic. So I was like, ah, I, I need to eat the rest of this. But like, what can I do that's like yeah. better than just putting it with some fries? And I was like, I'll make some fucking fish tacos. Like there you go. This will, this yeah. will achieve, this will achieve my goal. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to only get fancy on cooking on the weekends because I, um, when I have time, like that's like kind that's of the usually rules. when like, I do anything that's going to yeah. be a little more elaborate. Yeah, this week, this week I just took some, I got some chicken breasts and some chicken thighs from Wegmans that came pre-marinated. Did five of them up. I've been having them every day for lunch. I bring, I've got those big Joseph Labash wraps that you can make mm-hmm. and just do kind of a lettuce, tomato, chicken wrap. And it's easy enough to do because I mean, you're, you've got, uh, Wegmans make so many good things. Just add a little bit of Penzi spices to them, and you're all set to go. Um, I wish I liked fish. I just I can't do fish tacos. I could try something else, but 
picture is not my thing, but I really appreciate the fact you guys have so many cool things you can do with them. Oh, I like uh, what you call it. I love like you go to Lloyd's. Lloyd's got that uh, fish burrito thing. Oh, yeah. that, <laughs> love that thing. Yeah. That yeah. thing is good. Yeah, Lloyd, Lloyd's, Lloyd's does the cabbage thing too. It yeah. doesn't get me. So. Oh, I love I, I love the cabbage. I I've I've fallen in love with cabbage over lettuce inside oh, um inside burritos and stuff. Something with a crunch. Yep. Lettuce just gets wilty and soft and it's like it's just water. There's no point to it. I appreciate the crunch. I just wish it didn't taste like cabbage. Then I'd be then I'd be good. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the it's the taste that gets me on those. So So Jerry, I was thinking of and you the after day. effects. I, I was yeah. thinking of you because um I'm gonna make my um I'm gonna make my scallion pancakes and pot stickers. Nice. And um I found an online recipe for um, air frying your pot stickers instead of doing it in the go. pan. And I'm like, well, now, like, yes. let's give this a try, because that sounds like like it sounds like something that might be fun to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm break out the old air, like break out the old air fryer. Oh, I will say one more thing on the cooking front. Senda made um, a couple of jams and sent them to me. So she made a peach jam and a raspberry jam. We saw that peach jam on the Slack room. That looked good. Holy shit, are they good? I, listen, if you think the peach jam is good, and the peach jam is good, the raspberry jam made from the raspberries from her yard is killer. Like, it is so good. I'm, uh, I, I didn't want them to go to waste. So, like, once I opened the seal on them, I'm like, I've just been eating them every morning with breakfast, like, just mm-hmm. putting one, like, putting them on toast. Mm-hmm. holy i'm gonna be sad when they're gone because like man like it's so good um she really like totally killed it totally yeah. killed it those look delicious um, yeah especially the peach there are some things that i i would like to partake in that i don't i, I don't have the the capability in my mind of finishing them in a timely fashion without s- spoiling part of it and having to throw it out. Um, there are just certain things that, you know, like, I want to eat this every day because that would get boring. I already do that with lunch. Like, almost every day at lunch, I have a wrap with, with assorted lunch meat in it. And it's like every once in a while, I, I, I mix up the lunch meat. It's usually ham and turkey and roast beef, or I've been buying the uh, the, the Hillshire Farms uh, pastrami, which is actually not bad. Um, but, you know, like apple butter. I love apple butter. Oh, I fucking love apple butter. You know what? Apple my butter, friend, my friend, we are, we are like on the precipice of heading into fall yes. when apple butter like becomes a thing. The primary thing I like to do with apple butter though is put it on cottage cheese. Oh, all right. Stop. God <laughs> damn yeah. it, Bob. Fucking cottage cheese is yes, cottage oh. cheese. The, only, the only thing that should go on cottage cheese is the liner of the garbage bag. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with Jerry. That cut it. Oh, Bob. Listen, I mean, way to, way like to it, ruin the end yeah. of an episode, buddy. Oh, oh. on that note, we should probably roll into the Patreon <laughs> shout outs and get to the after show. Oh. Right. Yeah, God. So. Yes. So. Please end this. Yes. All right. So thank you to Savannah Sizer, Steve Bissonette, Steve Radabaugh, T. Kustic, Theodore Atkinson, Tom Hay, Victor Wyatt, Noah Bon. Alice Kira, and Austin Lemke. And thank you to everyone for listening tonight. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. The Queen's Time, come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with the other awesome listeners in the chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. If you can't make it to the live show, check out our podcast each week 
wherever you get your podcasts. And take a listen to some of the other shows the Mr. Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bone Sword of Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panda's Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, John Who Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check us out on our, or check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and The Always Amazing Gaming and BS. After you've run your session zero and before you kick off your campaign, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly via email, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on the Twitters. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. He is Robert M. Everson. He is GM Gerrymander. I am DNA Phil. Hey, gang. If you like what we do here and on any of the other shows in the Misdirected Mark, Misdirected Mark, Word Scramble, Network, <laughs> support our Patreon campaigns. Misdirected Mark Podcast, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are all at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhangu Hustle. And bonus experiences at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the famous Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Park production, the media arm of the Code Designs. Mic drop. We out.